that second song, just singing Jesus, Jesus, that when we follow Christ as, as followers of Jesus, like the prize is Christ. We don't need anything else. Like that is the prize. And when we go to our Heavenly Father in, in prayer, like that is, we, we just get to be with the Father. Like that is what we get. That's the joy. That is what we're doing as we're going to the Father in prayer. And we're in this series on prayer, and this is the last sermon on prayer. We're going to be going into the Beatitudes uh, next. Um, so someone may have been praying that we would be over the, ser- the this sermon series on prayer, because it is the last one. So if that was you, this is the last one. Um, we've titled this series, You Have Not Because You Ask Not. And we're looking at ways of praying, and I said, well, if we're praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, there's really no wrong way to pray, really. But there are some things that Christ teaches us uh, that we can learn, that He has taught us to pray better, if you will. And so we're going to look at some of those things today. Uh, But I want to start off, there was a guy by the name of Peter, and Peter was a barber. And just as any day, he shows up to his shop, he opens the door, he turns the lights on, turns the heat up, and he has his first client that comes in, and he's giving him a haircut and a shave and and all of these things. And he notices the, the bell on the door ring, and he looks up, and the most wanted criminal in all of the world, on the top ten list of most wanted, dead or alive, walks through the door, and he sits down, and he waits his turn for the barber shop. Now, the barber, Peter, he knows this guy has a warrant out for him. He knows that he could get a reward for dead or alive for this guy. So finishes up the first guy, and the next guy that's wanted, dead or alive, comes and sits in his chair, cuts his hair, he sharpens his knife, and he puts it to his throat, and he knows with just a little bit of pressure, just a little bit, the bounty is his. But he doesn't do it because the guy in the chair is his hero. The guy in the chair is his mentor. And the guy in the chair, his name was Martin Luther. Peter, the barber, was a Christian. Peter, the barber, appreciated what Martin Luther was doing, exposing things, and of course, as we know, becomes the Protestant church. And the one thing when Peter sees is Martin Luther, the one thing that comes to his mind, if I could ask this guy anything, like this is my mentor, this is Martin Luther, there's anything I can ask him, and he comes to his mind, he says, I'm going to ask him, how do you pray? How do I pray? It becomes a famous little book that Martin Luther wrote on the simplicity of prayer or something like that. And Martin Luther, he writes in there a few things to memorize to help us with prayer. Um, was the Ten Commandments, the, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at a little bit here in a minute. And then the Apostles' Creed. And we don't really talk about the Apostles' Creed here much. I mean, it talks about the Catholic Church. That's usually the universal church. It talks about how they say how Christ went to hell. I mean, that's debatable theologically where we stand, but the Apostles' Creed, and most of it is what we agree to. Um, But we're going to look at 
the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to encourage you in the application to, to memorize that. But the one thing that this guy thought of when Martin Luther was in his chair was like, how do I pray? So that's what we're going to look at. Now, I believe the world, there are a lot of people that say that they pray, but I think a lot of people who don't pray is because they just really don't know how to pray. Even Jesus' Father said, teach us, teach us how to pray. So we're going to look at this long list of things. I don't want you to focus on all of it. I really want to focus on number six about top wrong ways to pray. We've talked about not praying in the Father's name, not through Christ as repenting and in the power of Jesus, not being thankful, not in faith, being persistent, and not being humble is what we looked at last Sunday, not going to the Father in humility. And so today, I want to look at not trying too hard, right? We can try too hard, we can beat ourselves up a little bit, and so I want to look at that there. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says that God, that He is the vine, we are the branches. If we're not connected to God, there's nothing that we can do. We can't have the fruits of the Spirit, right? Hope, joy, peace, love, endurance, steadfastness, all these things that God promises. And then in that part, in John 15, 5, He says, You can do nothing apart from God. We can do nothing apart from God. So that's why we pray. Because we can do nothing, nothing apart from God. Next week, I I apologize, I I said Thursdays for February, but I think Wednesdays are going to work out better um, for most people. And so Wednesdays, right after Awana, so some 7 to about 7.30, 7.45, we're going to meet through the month of February and just pray as a church. I know those that are involved with youth will be over at the town hall with youth, but I'm asking all of those that are available uh, to come on Wednesday nights uh, here after Awana, 7 o'clock, and let's just pray and call out to the Lord for His will to be done. Three things as I was looking at, like not over complicating prayer, but also looking at how we can make prayer powerful, even though we're not overcomplicating it. And from the scripture, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be going through most of chapter 6. But as I looked at that, I picked up on three different things that we're going to look at. One, Jesus says to pray in private. We're going to look at the heart of what Jesus was saying there. So praying in private. Number two, don't babble. Don't babble. We're going to look at that. And number three is that we must forgive. Forgiveness. So I'm going to read Matthew 6. I'm going to read through it, and we're going to go back. Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those 
who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some manuscripts say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I like that last part, honestly. For thine is the power. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Kind of like that chiism I was telling you, like the beginning and the end, like, it, like sandwiches would glorify God in the beginning and, and the end. In verse 14 it says, And for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 5 and 6, again. And when you pray, verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and they love to pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Now, here is Jesus in his own words, and he says, When you pray. Did you pick up on that? When you pray. He's not saying if you pray or whenever you get around to it. It's assumed that you're going to pray as a Christian. We're going to pray. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Don't pray to be seen by men. Don't pray to be seen by others. See, they weren't praying for God to hear them. They were praying for other people to hear them. They wanted to show off, like, look at how religious that I am, that I am righteous in my own sight. I want you to be like me, that they're putting these requirements on other people that they couldn't even live up to. That's why Jesus rebuked them, but they were not praying for God to hear their prayers. They wanted to be seen by men. In verse 6, Jesus says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus does not say you can't pray in public. But what he is saying is he's saying, I want to make sure that your prayer is focused on God and to God and no one else. Go somewhere where you cannot impress anyone other than God. That's who we're seeking. Number two, don't babble. I believe Jesus is saying here. Don't babble. In Matthew 6, verse 7 through 8, I'm going to read that to you. And we're going to focus most of our attention on this. It says, verse 7 through 8, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for, their, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So I'm going to call this the Pachinko prayer. Pachinko. Anyone heard of Pachinko? Now, you know the Chiefs are in the playoffs, like the AFC. Like I, I could not not mention the Chiefs since it's the AFC championship. I held off until today, make sure they're going to the AFC championship. I've been holding it back. I've been really wanting to mention the Chiefs. I want to wear my Chiefs shirt, but I'm going to wait until next Sunday. They'll be in the play. They'll be in the Super Bowl, but not next Sunday, but... But the Pachinko, like, he is their running back, the Kansas City Chiefs running back. I know I'm probably messing up his name, but I'm calling this the Pachinko Prayer. It's short, and it's powerful. 
It's short and it's powerful. Now, he is a rookie running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's funny because he's actually five foot ten, and in the NFL, you see him on TV, he looks super short and super small. So I was thinking, okay, what's a, what's a good illustration for short and powerful? I was like, Pachinko, like he's short and powerful. But then I looked up his height, he's like 5'10". I'm like, he just looks, if you, if you see him play, he's just super short. But anyway, so short and a powerful prayer. I got a video here for you. Pacheco. So the Pacheco prayer. Short, powerful, to the point. So verse 7 here. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And what this means is like big, lofty prayers with lots and lots of words with no meaning and no power. They're saying as the Gentiles, they just loft up all these random big words constantly to God. It's just lofty and there's no meaning, there's no significance, and there's no power to what they are saying. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the son of David, the most, the wisest person to ever live. In Ecclesiastes 5, 2, he writes verse 1 through 3. I think I have two on the screen. I'm going to read verse 1 through 3. He writes this. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. So our prayers don't have to be lofty, just haphazard with all these words that don't mean anything to God. Solomon warns against going to God, full of just random, foolish talk to God. We have to be ready to listen and not loaded with blah, 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 blah. It's like my kids would say, right? Blah, blah, blah. That's what babble means. Blah, blah, blah. It really has no significance. It's like, I don't know what you're saying. It doesn't make any sense. You're just going on and on about all of these things. That's what Solomon is cautioning, giving us caution about. I heard someone say his name was J. Edwin Orr. I have no idea who that is. Probably some smart theologian or something that I'm just not aware of. But he said something that was really smart. I thought it was really good. He says, you know, when somebody gets up in a prayer meeting to pray, he said the first time they get up and pray for three minutes, we pray with them. The second time they get up to pray for three minutes, we pray for them. The second time they get up and pray for three minutes, we pray against them. I thought that was pretty good. Our prayers can be just long and lofty and not have any power or significance It's not the loudest or the longest prayer. It's the one with power. It's the one with power. And as I was studying this this week, I felt like at times, I felt a little guilty, like I needed to repent. 
I'm like, well, there are times that I'm like, the longer my prayer and the more Christianese that I say in my prayer, like there's some reason that that's going to be more powerful. I add all these like big words. I'm like, am I even saying that to just make people think that I'm a better prayer? I was like, gosh, I hope I'm not doing that. I remember at times like I would bring out a whiteboard and write down a thousand things on the whiteboard that I felt like I needed to pray about. Like maybe God wouldn't answer the prayers if I didn't remember it and write it down. And here we just read that God says, I know what you need before you even ask me. I'm like, man, I think I had it wrong in some areas. And then I thought, did I put that on you to think, I got to pray like that? Before God would ever hear my prayers, I can't. I don't. I don't have time to pray like that. And then I felt guilty, and I'm like, "Oh God, I hope I didn't put that on anyone else to ever think that they had to pray like that." Or forgive me, Lord, for thinking I've got to remember every single thing that's going on in my life to ask you for. Or you won't answer my prayers. Or you won't think that that's important. And I, I brought that up to a to a friend. This week in a Bible study I was at, and I was like, I think I need to repent of this. And he, go, and he asked me a question, as a good friend would ask, it just gets to the heart. He's like, all those things that you wrote on the board, he said, was that your will or was that God's will? And I'm like, oh, oh, gosh. I mean, that's why we spend quiet time in the beginning of our prayers praising God and saying, Lord, your will be, your kingdom come, your will be done. And maybe we just need to pause there for a while. That God's will, like, we would know what God's will is. Instead of just jumping to all the thousands of things that we want God to answer our prayers about. Because he says, I already know what you need before you even come to me. Man, I just had to sit with that for a while this week. I was thinking of that and I thought, there's got to be powerful short prayers in the Bible. And I just happened to be walking by our bookshelf upstairs in our, in our house and there was this little book. It's called The Prayer of Jabez, J-A-B-E-Z. Have you ever heard of, anyone here heard of Jabez? Oh, got a couple people. More people than knew about Pinchinko. That's what I'm saying. But Jabez, it's in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And it's like going through all this genealogy uh, uh, that you've read the Bible, and you're like, when's this genealogy stuff ever going to get, get over with? And then there's this little short story right in there about this guy named Jabez. And so I'm going to turn to there. I'm going to read it. And that's really been my prayer this week is just this, this short prayer from this guy. It's kind of his uh, name to fame. Like he gets in the Bible for this prayer. Verse, uh, 1 Chronicles 4, 10. It says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. That was it. He went to the Lord in his name. God, you're the father of Israel. That's what we say, our father who art in heaven. He went to God in his name. 
And he asked for a blessing. He asked for his border to be expanded. He asked that God's hand would be with him, which means God's uh, power and his presence would be with him. And then he said uh, that no pain would come to me. Uh, so that's what his name, his name means, pain. But he means that the enemy would keep, he'd keep the enemy from me. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. That's all he asked. It was that simple. A couple of sentences, and God answered his prayer. And his name's in the Bible. It's the power. And Jesus teaches us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That was it. That's the prayer. He didn't say, like, list out the thousands of things you need. He says, give us our day, this day. Not tomorrow, but today. Give us what we need. That's all we need. That was it. And Lord's Prayer is just a template, right? It's a guide. You don't have to say it, like, exactly. Word. It's, and that's why I think Martin Luther said memorize. Because as you're praying, you just kind of go through that and put it in your own words, in your own way. You may not even get past the first... Our Father who art in heaven, you may not even get past that. That's okay as you pray. And then remember last week, the tax collector and the Pharisee went up to the temple to pray. And what did the tax collector, what was his prayer? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That was it. If there's ever a pachinko prayer, that's it. Short, powerful. And I guarantee you, he put some thought into that prayer. God heard his prayers. It says he went down justified where the Pharisee wasn't. He was saved. He was forgiven. Short and powerful is what those prayers have in common verse 8 do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him have you ever had someone that's like telling a story or telling you something and they just go on and on and on and on you're like am I ever going to get to the end of this thing I know I do that a lot like Amanda's like just get to the point. And I'm like, well, you got to know everything leading up, like every single detail about this so you know all everything about it so you would know why I'm saying this. And she's like, well, if I want to know, I'll just ask you. Like, just tell me. And then anything I want to know, I'll just ask and fill it in. And I'm like, well, no, you need to know all of this. This is like sometimes we go to God. Like, we think we got to tell God what he doesn't know. <laughs> Isn't that silly? Like, he already knows everything. Like, it's okay. You don't have to tell him every single thing. He already knows. We pray to have fellowship and to make appeals to God, right? To honor Him, to glorify Him, ask His will to be done, to give us our daily bread. We go to the throne of God with humility, to humble us, to inflame our faith, to increase our hope. All the fruits of the Spirit. So I wanted to ask you a question. 
when we read this, it says your father knows what you need before you even ask it. If you knew without a shadow of doubt, 100%, that God knows what you need before you ask him, how would that change the way that you approach God? How does that change your relationship? How does that change your prayer life to go before God and saying, God, I know you, you already know what I need before I even ask it. To me, it's extremely freeing. And I can just get right to the point. I can just praise God and worship Him and ask Him to show me His will. I have to spend a whole bunch of time just rambling on him, babbling on about a whole bunch of stuff that he already knows about anyway. I asked some other people, and they said, well, it means to me I would have more faith when I pray because God already knows what I, that, what I need before I ask it. I can focus more on his will than my will. Or I can be more authentic in who I am. It's like talking to my friend or, or heavenly father who knows me really well. It's like talking to someone who's known you their whole life. Like there's a lot of things you don't even have to talk about. They just know. They just know that about you. And it's really comforting, right? So that's just some things that can change. If you go to God knowing that he already knows what you need before you ask. All right, the last thing. We must be willing to forgive. And I'm going to skip past, we've already talked about the Lord's Prayer, sending a sermon on the Lord's Prayer, uh, but again, I would encourage you to, to memorize that. I'm going to skip down to verse 14 through 15, and, and, and Jesus, like, when he tells the Lord's Prayer, and then there's like a little small paragraph right after that, like Jesus t- says, pray this way, and then he emphasizes a certain portion of that at the end, and in verse 14 he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses... He talked about that in verse 12, and forgive us of our debts as we also forgive our debtors. He says, after the, you know, after the Lord's Prayer, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So clearly, there's really big importance into forgiveness when it comes to prayer forgiveness as christians we are commanded to forgive and not to hold on to bitterness now i want you to hear very clearly what i'm saying this is not to say you have to that you need to stay in an abusive relationship this is not to say that you need to put yourself in a position where you would be at harm not saying that but i am saying that we are commanded to forgive and not hold bitterness in our hearts when we do the lord's supper every sunday we go through first corinthians where paul teaches us and he says first examine yourself before you take the elements and we always say examine yourself examine is there anything in your heart that you need to bring to the lord to ask for forgiveness is there anything that someone has done against you that maybe you need to talk to them about it. Or, or maybe God reveals something where you have done something to someone else that you need to ask for forgiveness for them. To say, I'm sorry. Like I need to ask you to forgive me for this. Like God put this on my heart. And I get it. it it's extremely hard to forgive someone. 
especially if they haven't said, like, hey, here's what I did to you. I, I want you to forgive me. And sometimes it takes that, right? It takes that for someone to come to you and say, I did this wrong and I need you to forgive me. Sometimes they don't even know. So you may have to go to them and say, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but this really hurt my feelings. I would ask that you would pray about it, that you would seek counsel, like someone else's opinion that you trust as a Christian, because petty things we should turn the other cheek probably. But if it's something that someone has wronged you, like forgiveness on both sides is really important. And it is important to our prayers and our prayer life. Being unwilling to forgive someone is unpleasing to God and it impacts your relationship with God. I've read some commentary that has interpreted these verses to say that God will not hear our prayers unless we are ready to grant for forgiveness. I've heard others say that if we refuse to forgive, it demonstrates that you have not truly received Christ's forgiveness in your own life. And if you think of it from a perspective about how much you and I have been forgiven because of our faith in Christ, because of what Christ has done for us, of how much we have been forgiven. And God is asking us to forgive this compared to the ocean of forgiveness that he has given us. Imagine what he thinks when he's like, my, my son or my daughter like, won't forgive their other son and other daughter in Christ. It damages your relationship a little bit with God because of all that you have been forgiven. It's not dependent upon your salvation. That's in Christ alone. But it is something that God tells us to do, to grow. So for the application for today, three things. Spend time with God in silence before you speak. We talked about maybe Pujols could again. The, the M is meditate, right? And the, the, the P then is to praise God. And maybe you just don't get past that, right? Meditate on God's word. Praise God. Ask for his will to be done. Those things are important. Meditate. Focus your attention on God. And just be slow to speak, because God wants to speak to us. We want his will to be done, not our will. I did think we could probably change that instead of maybe Pujols could again. We could change it to Mahomes probably can again. I don't know. I should have, that's why I should have gone with probably Mahomes. Uh, second one is memorize the Lord's Prayer. I would encourage you to do that. It's really helped me in the structure of my prayer as I pray. Um, and we're in good company. That's what Martin Luther said to do as well. Um, just memorize the Lord's Prayer. It really helps in your prayer life. And then, the, and then the last one is to remember when you pray, God already knows what you need before you ask Him. He already knows. So simple but powerful messages and prayers to God worked. The gospel of Jesus in itself is simple and it's powerful that God would send his only son to die for a sinner like me so that I could have eternal life, so that I could be forgiven. 
so that I could have a relationship, so I could go to the Father in prayer and cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. It's simple, but yet it's powerful. It's the most powerful thing on earth that ever God ever did. If you've never prayed, if you've never went to the Lord and said, God, forgive me of my sins, you have to start somewhere. Like prayer, your prayer life is a, is a continual improvement with God throughout your whole life. And we'll probably be working on it in heaven. But you have to start somewhere. And it takes humility. If you've never given your faith and trust to Christ, God says, just come to me. Admit that you are a sinner. That your sin separates you from God for eternity. To go to the Father in a simple but powerful prayer to say, God, I, I want to be right with you. Today I put my faith and trust in your Son and what you have done. Today, I trust in your will for my life and not my own. Today, I want to follow your son, Jesus. The prize is Jesus. You don't promise anything else but Jesus, and that's good enough. God, help us. God, help us to, to learn how to pray. To not come to you in babble or not come to you with Christianese words to try to make us sound better for other people that are listening, but just to come to you knowing that you are a Heavenly Father who loves us. Someone have the band come up. And I want us together as a church to pray in, in our own words the prayer of Jabez. Let us pray. Dear the Father, I pray today if anyone is, that you have brought someone to the point in their life where they're ready. They're ready to stop trying to please you and stop trying to do everything that they can to be right in your eyes. Because you tell us that it's, we can never be good enough. Only through faith in your son Jesus can save us. Lord, I pray that you are humbling our hearts, that we are confessing our sins, that you are helping us to forgive those who have done anything to us. Help us. Lord, in the same power and, and shortness as the prayer of your follower, someone who loved you, and Jabez, Lord, we pray in your name. We cry out, Abba, Father, the one true God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jireh, Provider. Lord, we cry out to you that you would bless us, you would bless your church, 
that, Lord, you would expand your territory for others to know about the good news of the gospel. We pray that your will be done. We pray, Lord, that your hand would be with us. And you would keep us from the enemy. And we ask not in our might or our power, but we ask in the power of your son, Jesus. And all God's people said.